Emma Fries is a beast. Stina Oftedal hits new levels, handball haikus, and it's the Scandinavian Derby yet again. Welcome to the Unformed Handball Hour. Chris O'Reilly here with you, live in the studio with Alex Kulesh. How are you, Chris? Brian Campion. Hello. <laughs> and uh, Clemens Martinek as our producer, who has a number of buttons as well. Maybe we should put on the headphones so we can actually hear when he decides to use these buttons. For the first time ever, we have a producer for this. <laughs> oh, my God. Is, is that for my intro or for Brian's gag? Anyway, we'll find out as the, the afternoon or the afternoon as the evening wears on. It's very late. It's 11 o'clock. We're doing this again. Uh, it's just after the semifinals. And it was a weird semifinal day. But two one-sided results in the way for the semifinals but still very enjoyable in their own way i think we both expected we all expected a very close second semifinal which i think we should start with france versus norway the classico of women's handball final score norway 28 france 20 brian is it fair to say that France have now finally been tested. <laughs> I think they played really badly, didn't they? Especially think in the in the second half, it was quite poor. It just seemed like they never really got got going in a way. And uh, yeah, as I always said, the group is too easy. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it's actually a fair enough question. We kind of joked about it, but um, for the first time. A couple of things didn't go France's way, mm. and uh, I Darlo didn't have a an incredible game. She had she had a fine game, um, but it had to happen to her eventually, um, and it happened in the semi final. Um, basically, the backcourt for France didn't get going. Um, Zadi was quite good, but Enzaminko just one goal in the game. Sersin uh, Ugola. One goal in the game. Uh, Hornacek, one goal in the game. Uh, all at fairly low uh, shooting percentages. And they. it felt like they didn't get going as opposed to Norway shutting them down. Mm -hmm. is, is, do you agree with that, Chris? I find it hard to... When I, I find it hard to agree with the first half because the first half was a fantastic game of handball. Yeah. Like it took 33 minutes to play 30 minutes of handball. It was this like incredible free flowing game. Both teams playing very well. Both goalkeepers also doing very well. And it felt like at the end there was really nothing to choose between them. Could have gone into the halftime break with a draw, if not for a brilliant double save by Silius Solberg. And then it was just a completely different second half. And so I think France were up to scratch they were they were doing everything they needed to do in the first half but then yeah the second half they were just if it looked good at times but they, it just wasn't everything was happening except for the final step 
Yeah, and I think there is a fact of Norway's stars showing up. Mm. Um, and it kind of throughout the game, they passed on the torch. So it started off with Sina Oftedal just oh. coming out and being unbelievable. I think she scored three underarm shots yeah. in the first uh, 15 minutes, four goals o- overall, got a few penalties against her. She was... Yeah, on a different level to anyone else on the court. It felt like she was going faster, stronger, better. How many times have we seen that underarm shot from her? It's not sometimes a normal underarm shot. It's like she takes it and she kind of drifts off behind the defender. And then you, I think it's like the keeper doesn't almost see the ball. And we've seen her do that so many times as well. And it's always center or right. And somehow you know she's going to do using it. Using the defender's body. It's like the arm is detached. She's like, I'm going here. The arm's going there. The shot's going here. <laughs> yeah. Keeper probably thinks she's going with the ball that yeah. way. And all of a sudden, it's the... Yeah, it's... Yeah. It's gets almost them every time. It's yeah. almost <laughs> and she had a very bad game against Denmark. Mm. So it was a real bounce back game for her. And she just... She had the bit between her teeth there to start off the game. Um, then it kind of... It was quite equal towards the end of the first half. Then it was Merck that just turned it up uh, for the first five, eight minutes to set a tone for the second half. She got two goals, one breakthrough, one fast break, and then a penalty. Really good. And then Henny Reistad came into the game really well between minute 35 and 45. She got three goals where she basically galloped like a gazelle across the French nine meter line and just did whatever she wanted. And then finally, it was Celia Solberg who just closed out the game. She was having a good game overall, but she conceded one goal in the last 12 minutes. And that's down to a lot of things, but it's absolutely to, down to the best sub goalkeeper in the world, <laughs> Celia Solberg, coming in and uh, saving... Uh, Another, 14 shots. Another 40% plus performance. Keeps her average over 40% for the tournament. But France, it's not the first time France would be in a final quarter like that where they only score one or two goals, but usually they score one or two goals and the opposition scores none. In this case, Norway scored nine. Uh, I, th- I, th- I still don't understand where, where the missing link was for France in attack because it did look very good at times. And Brian, maybe you can give a bit more insight into this based on what you saw in Skopje coming over now because they it looked like they they did everything they played the way they were supposed to but then the final pass didn't quite work out the shot didn't quite work out or they just ran into I mean how many there was two times where they ran straight into uh, uh, Dalia the defender attacker foul two times in a row and it was almost like I think you said it Alex he was like wait a second what are these defenders doing here (laughs) Yeah, I think it was probably the thing that which I was always talking about when I was in Skopje was the size of this, what it felt like anyway, the size of this French team and how they could just rotate anyone in and it seemed like there was no drop in quality. And the players they rotate, rotated in today didn't do that. So you players like uh, Horacek, who was one from four, uh, um Engelong, one from five, I mean... She is a bit hit and miss anyway, but she was very bad today. Um, and then you didn't have maybe the security of Darlo. She, had, as you said, she had a good game, but it wasn't as like shut out the the other attack completely like we saw in other games in in Skopje. Um, Inzabenko was poor, mm. I think. Yeah, <laughs> for her, yeah, for her, yeah. No, but she was very poor, uh, and that's one thing that. Um, I kind of highlighted a little bit, you know, when we did our stat segment, I said, who should be doing a bit more in this tournament? 
and Enzomenko only had 12 goals across five games and she she's kind of sauntering along the tournament she didn't need to be fantastic but now that she needed to be she didn't she wasn't able to step up her I think it was just Norway being really good in one versus one defending and France relying too much on one versus one attacking mm. Every time. And one thing about France as well throughout the tournament, they didn't, they never shot well from nine meters. That, that's not something they had in the arsenal. They relied on breakthroughs. And this time around, Norway, as you said, Norway were just there waiting for them as they were breaking through, taking them down one on one. And Zeminko just get, 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 uh, going nowhere. And then they had to rely on nine meter shooting. And they scored four from 14 um, nine meter shooting. That's uh, less than 25%. You're no chance. Uh, only Canor. A lot of random rockets, exactly. Like, yeah, as you said, Cersei Ugalon, There, we were talking about it, watching the game, basically saying, sometimes she's looking amazing. It's like, oh, wow, who is this superstar? And other times she jumps kind of sideways at 10 meters and puts in a weak shot that turns into a goal for Norway. Yeah. So I don't know how many times I've seen her break through and miss shots that completely break through. And I don't know if it's her Achilles heel somehow, but if she has too much time, she seems to always hit the keeper. Mm. And I saw it a few times down in Scotland as well. It was almost ident- the identical same shot. She would just break through and be on her own and then just throw it right at the keeper. I don't know. <laughs> She's very unreliable in that regard. What we spoke about in the preview for this was Norway have the better seven, France have the better 16. We saw in this game that it was the seven that brought Norway over the line. Talked about those four players. So uh, Solberg over 40%. The three backcourt players all getting quint doubles. So Nordmark, eight goals, seven assists. Reista, five goals, seven assists. Oftedal, seven goals, six assists. But what I, I think you don't need to have, even when your, your squad is a little bit weaker, what you can still do when your squad is a little bit weaker is what it seems in Norway have done in learning against France. One team has developed their game against the opposition. One team has not developed their game against the opposition. And that was the thing that stood out for me today in what we spoke about there with Norway's reaction to France's attack. So France can be as expansive and athletic as they like, but Norway were there. They knew they were coming. And then the other thing you mentioned to me uh, before we wanted to get into the 5-1 defense for France and Norway just the, the thing that has been kind of their Achilles heel against France they just avoided <laughs> they were like okay you can go 5-1 we're just going to go to the wings we're going to go to the line we're not the backcourt can step back now and just move the ball elsewhere and good luck chasing them, them down Estelle yeah. and Zeminko and then so, Inks had got uh, four goals in those last yeah. minutes against that 5-1 again they, they learned how to play against the dangerous 5-1 um, and yeah, France so it, no is that a fair assumption then? Like Krumpholz and France have, they like, this is the way we troubled them before, so we're doing it again. Norway, we're like, this is what we've had trouble with before, so we're going to learn from it. Yeah, I'm, but I'm surprised because it's uh, Norway have won the last two finals. Um, that's that's, Nor- that's, that's so, Norway, so it's, right? <laughs> but it's, it's like, yeah. that would be a really strange approach from uh, France to say, mm. oh, we're going to repeat what we've done in the last <laughs> couple of championships because it troubled them. Um, but... Yes, uh, Brian, you can have the water. Yeah, you can. Good. You pull it. Yeah, I'm getting there. There you go. 
It's a great radio. It's a good chance for the laugh track, Clements. Aren't you great, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually just lifted the mood there. <laughs> uh, another player who was unlocked with that 5-1, uh, or when Norway moved the ball against the 5-1 defense, was son of a Nias Anderson, the left wing, who had a lot of running to do today without touching the ball much, but then in the second half uh, got some opportunities, scored a couple of goals, and played a big role in the fence. Uh, I had a chance to speak to her in the mix zone after the game. Sonova, first of all, congratulations. What a victory. I mean, a lot of people expected a totally different game from this. Your first impression of what is a huge win in the end. I, I'm surprised. Or, like, I wasn't expecting it to be this uh, result at the end. But uh, I think we played a really good uh, handle match. In the first half, it was really like a tight game. Of course, that's what we expected. But it felt like uh, you kind of had a psychological advantage by denying France the opportunities that they did have in the first half. Yes, but also the, both uh, teams has good uh, goalkeepers and uh, we were struggling to score goals on, uh, on their goalkeeper and we were doing good in defense, So, but uh, it loosened a bit in the second half, so that was good. And you had to be really patient out there in the wing as well. Um, a lot of what was happening in the center, in the attack, uh, you have to do your work in defense, but finally you had, had a few more chances in the second half. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Uh, yeah, it was good. But I don't care where the goal is, but as long as it's a good chance. So uh, if it's a good chance in the middle, that's okay for me. <laughs> Tell me about the journey for you personally. Uh, it's been quite a few years for you. It's, if I remember correctly, you went to Christian Sand originally just to study, right? Yes. And not thinking about professional handball, and now here you are just qualifying for a Euro final. That's incredible. Yeah, I could never imagine that if you t uh, told me I would experience this five years ago. But uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been really nice. And I've been lucky playing with Vipers, who has a really good team, so yeah. And a couple of days ago, there was that uh, difficult defeat to Denmark. It seems like a completely different team now today. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what was spoken about in the last couple of days or how the mindset changed now coming into the final weekend? Yeah, of course, we were mad, but uh, yeah, we were just thinking about the next game and uh, we could be disappointed for some minutes before uh, or after the game, but next day we had to start over again. And, uh, we were already in the semi-final and now we get to beat them in the final, I hope. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. And, uh, it feels like a completely different team uh, that's going to be facing Denmark on Sunday. Uh, off the top of your head, can you think of some things that the team will have to change, whether it's mentally, whether it's tactically for Sunday? Well, I just hope we have the same energy as today. This It was really good today with the energy and uh, yeah, if we have this, uh, it's will level us 10 times more than we had uh, against Denmark last time. And a few words on your teammates. Uh, we saw players like Steen Ofsted come out in like a, a completely different beast today. How incredible is it to, to be playing with these players and, and to be producing what you all produced on a day like today? Yeah, it's amazing. It's uh, I can't uh, even explain. It's uh, they are so good at like just uh, forget about the match and uh, start over. And uh, also Celia stood amazing in gold in the last half. So it was uh, incredible. Congratulations. Thank you. There you go, sunny side up. <laughs> a great story, though. Uh, we, we touched on it very briefly there. Uh, you know, five years ago, she moved to Christian Sand to study, giving up on life as a professional handball player. 
decided to play for Viper's second team in like the third league in Norway, just for fun. Uh, they had some injuries. She was asked to play for the first team, uh, two Champions Leagues later, and now she's in a Euro final. That's fantastic. And so fair play to her. And she has, she's done what she needed to do. She's not the same type of player as, as Camilla Heron, but you know, when you have all the teammates she has, as she spoke about, uh, she d- needed to do what she needed to do, and it's good enough to to bring Norway to a final. Where they'll play? It, they oh. will play Denmark, but they. I, I think it's a really good point that she made about the, uh, I'll come, the mentality monsters that mm-hmm. Norway have, mm-hmm. the, the likes of Norum Merck and Oftedal, the winners who just they can absolutely brush aside a defeat to Denmark and just move on to the next yeah, she said we, we had a couple of minutes to to be disappointed <laughs> a couple of minutes that's it <laughs> on to the next yeah, Norman writes that and after that scored 20 goals today and France also scored 20 goals today <laughs> so that kind of tells the story doesn't it, it does. but it was actually really disappointing wasn't it because the first half when they went in, I was like, this is going to be a classic. And then the second half was just that. And oh, yeah. I mean, we were talking about extra time penalties, you know, here. Like everyone our was giving a prediction yeah, our that prediction it was, was going like, to be within one goal. Exactly. And then you had Anya Althaus and Eduard Amarim on the live show. They both said extra time. But, uh, we, you know, kind of underestimate what Norway are capable of in An these final Norway weekends of well. angry Norway. Mm. So I think that's... It's a good reminder for Denmark as well when they plan for this final. There were two moments when I was thinking, oh, this is, this is something a bit different here. The double save right before the end of halftime and that Norm Mork penalty that was way too slow to ever go in and somehow crept in. I was like, oh, there's <laughs> something not right here. They're going to they're gonna do this today. Norm Mork just scoring penalties. But, you know, when it comes to the uh, finals and, you know, the big games, actually scoring all your penalties is extremely important. Yep. And that's what she's done. And before we move on from this game, I do want to give my handball haiku. Oh, yeah. To, uh, this is a, a segment we did for our live show where we tried to come up with some handball poetry. And I, I came up with a haiku about... Silly Solberg, the greatest uh, sub-goalkeeper of all time. Life of a goalie. Keep making save after save. Bench again. Go, Lunda. And with that, Katrina Lunda is going to start the final. And Silly Solberg is going to be on the bench. Brian, you look a bit confused. I don't know. What happened there? What was this? <laughs> wait, wait, that, ha- handball really haiku. Hmm? Handball haiku. That was a good haiku, no? Haiku, Japanese you know poetry. Japanese poetry. <laughs> <laughs> a haiku for those of you, I, I just assumed everyone listening, including Brian, would know what a haiku is. It's 17 syllables, three lines. Also, I forgot oh, okay. how many syllables. I'm saying that as if I'm some kind of expert. Alex five, had, seven, to, tell five. Me, Alex had ah. to tell me that earlier today. Okay, well, there uh, you go. I had, I had a haiku as well. Okay. Had nothing to do with the games today. Shall I tell you it? Yes, please. It's a bit more of... It's a thinker. A bit more profound. <laughs> it's, I, well, Alex's this, one was more McDonald's. This is oh, more. What do you mean? No, mine no. was fucking Alex, profound. I, no, I, th- I actually think Alex's is better than mine. Okay. Did, did, like, did, you, get, did you get it? Did you get the meaning of the haiku? I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what was the meaning, Brian? No, I will hear a Chris's question. <laughs> <I'll tell you laughs> the I didn't really listen. You got to read to me again. <laughs> okay, you're listening. I'm, I'm definitely listening now because I didn't know there'd be so much pressure on me to <laughs> evaluate these. Uh. Romania fell, despite Niagu's gold glut, could not stop the bounce. 
<laughs> that was very good. Oh, thank you. Yeah. But you kind of made that joke yesterday. But anyway. Uh, true. I mean, we got yeah. my one this again. Is again. Let's, 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 let's go mine again. So. Again, it's, it's about uh, a famous Norwegian goalkeeper. Life of a goalie. Keep making save after save. Bench again. Go Lunda. I think Katrina Lunda. Yeah. Because she's Silius Holberg. So Silius Holberg. It's very good. Make save after save. Ends up on the bench. Yeah. Cheering on her fellow goalkeeper. Yeah. Great. Cool. So uh, <laughs> I, I, Alex originally wanted us, because funnily enough, we had two poems about two match-winning players. So Alex had one on Silius Solberg. I had a, a rhyming poem on a player who was a star in the game we're going to talk about now. So how about I introduce you with this? Emma Fries has an arm like a beast. She may look 13, but on the wing she's a queen. And tonight she'll score six goals at least. And how many goals did she score today? Seven. <sighs> But that is at least six at goals. Least six, yeah. I'm so here. and she got player of the match. Uh, really impressive. I she feel, I feel like Brian's going to quit this podcast. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I thought you were going to say Emma Freeze looks like my niece. <laughs> uh, so maybe for the next one, uh, Brian can. Yeah, give Brian, us his you can give us a haiku, haiku or can I rap a poem? You, you can, can rap. rap. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's spoken word poetry. Yeah. yeah. All right. We're, Denmark. Denmark. Denmark, Montenegro. Denmark are in the final yeah. for the first time in 14 years. 18 years. 18 years. <laughs> <laughs> Live uh, checking here going on. Yeah. Denmark, 27. Montenegro, 23. Alex, you predicted a four-goal victory for Denmark on our show yesterday. You were so close to a perfect prediction, and uh, you let us all know about it as we edged towards the final whistle. But as our resident adopted Dane here how how do you feel about this team reaching the gold medal match I'm, I'm really happy for them because this team as I said they, they've just continually evolved they've all grown together as a group everyone has a role in it uh, Jesper Jensen has done a fantastic job you know we we've talked to the Danish players and they all have this specific role and specific plan uh, and it's coming together, which is really good. And the support behind this team is fantastic. And I think that all of the players are just really nice as well. All of the players that we've spoken to, they're all really nice and open. And it's a great team. I don't know where this cocky thing is coming from that the Swedes are yeah, thrown out. I have, I have no idea yeah. where, where that comes through. But the, despite that, I can't get as excited for this team because they just don't have that one star or those two they don't have the Rysad, Oftedal and Merck backcourt they have eight different players and it, that's keeping me from getting overly excited mm -hmm. for this team for something it's just keeping me back um, but I'm really excited for an amazing final yeah. because that game was brilliant and uh, you have to just give it to Montenegro they don't have them in the backcourt, but they do have them in the goal. You could, you sure could argue. Do. Yeah. Well, they, they have, I mean, they, Sandra Toft is the World Handball Player of the Year. She is. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. It's not as, I know, it's not as explosive as having Henny Reistat, basically. Exactly. That's what you're like saying. Henny they Reistat don't have Henny Reistat. Like, oh, my God. But you know who knows Henny Reistat very well? S yes, Brienne. Her club coach. What were you going to say there? 
Sandra Toft for some reason. <laughs> uh, uh, Maybe. <laughs> no, no, no. Anyway, uh, yes, Brie Henson does. And, um, and yeah, well, we could talk maybe you know, predictions about that later. But on the game itself, yeah, Brian, this, is your, back first, to this is your first semi final that you covered in the arena. You were doing your thing as a mobile reporter and a cameraman. What was your impression of what you saw? And also, did you enjoy the uh, enthusiastic Montenegrin fans? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I did. I have a lot of footage that I couldn't use on the official channel. Oh, really? Yes, uh, some angry fans <laughs> <laughs> making some lovely gestures towards the referees. So I had to bin some of those. But it was—I thought it, it was—I really enjoyed the atmosphere. Um, it was nice to see the arena pretty full. Yeah, um, it looked good for me. It makes my job a bit easier, also. Um, but it's kind of what we expected, isn't it? I I don't think so. I so I predicted the man predicting. The yeah, score, no, no. Yeah. But yeah. the way the game ended there was not what I predicted. I I really thought it was just going to be a stroll in the park for them. Ah, yeah. I I really did, uh, and it wasn't. Montenegro made it really difficult for them. They shot out into a lead, then scrambled back in the second half to make it close again. But at the end of the day, they just had basically six and a half players because Rajcevic did play in the end or Milena uh, taking off her neck brace but it felt it looked like she was still playing with that neck brace on yeah uh, she didn't quite have the mobility despite that you know two two goals five assists five turnovers MVP. so a ratio of one 46 minutes on court what was that MVP no MVP uh, no MVP has to go to uh uh Gerbitz, who scored six goals in a row in the second half and single-handedly kept uh, Montenegro in the game. Um, Gerbitz? Itana. Ah. Gerbitz. 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 Are you saying Anita Gerbitz? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gerbitz. He scored six goals in a row and kept single-handedly kept Montenegro in the game. Denmark were in control, but not comfortable. Yeah. That's how I felt. Uh, they never were able to just relax, kind of rotate the squad and uh, enjoy the game because I thought yeah. that's how it ended up. I, I never, I, I did say there was never going to be a, a walk in the park. You, I know you're underestimating this other side of the group, but I know that side of the group lost both games, but all three games, in fact, including the fifth, sixth place playoff. But... I, you always knew Montenegro were going to come out hard. Like they gave everything at the start. Jovanka uh, Radicevic scoring like three of the opening four goals. And then she barely touched the ball for the rest of the match because Denmark did something very smart. Yeah, so they basically um, marked her... Uh, woman to woman. Man to man. but <laughs> Woman to woman. Um, they basically took her personally. So Emma Fries basically stood right beside her for the whole game. And that left a gap at uh, between the one and two defenders uh, and the, at the right side for Montenegro to break through if they could. But unfortunately, it was Rajcevic who was in that position for the f whole first half. And she just didn't have the speed or the mobility to actually take advantage of that, that um, gap. But in the second half, when Gerbic ended up there that's that's where she got the goals because the gap existed but it, it took a while for Montenegro to figure that out and I think what defines Montenegro and kind of 
where they ended up was a, a moment at the very end where I think it was uh, three goals in it. Yeah. Uh, Montenegro were chasing the game. They went to a 5-1 defense. Radicic was up in front. She got a steal. And here we go. We're thinking, okay, Montenegro are going to flood forward. And only one Montenegrin player crosses the halfway line and yeah. gets tackled and stopped because Rajcevic, Jaukovic and Radicevic basically had their hands on their knees, not able to run past the halfway line. They were absolutely exhausted yeah. and it was a monumental effort from them. And they've absolutely gained my respect. But, but it's only 60 minutes, isn't it, Chris? It is. <laughs> it's only, it's 60 only 60 minutes. minutes. But those and, last uh, 10 minutes of the 60 minutes when you've played seven games yeah. uh, feel a lot heavier than uh, the 14 minutes that Christina Jurgensen came into the game and lit it up. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, you can, you can make better use of those 60 minutes if your goalkeepers make a few saves. And this, to be fair, was something you also pointed out before the game. You said Sandra Toft is going to have a game. Like she's going to play well. Montenegro need to match that. And Montenegro today, Marina Rajic, 6 from 26, 23%. All-star nominee, Marta Bratinovic, 2 from 9, 22%. And it was just, I mean, Sandra Toft had a, had a solid game, 9 saves, 32%. But they needed to at least match that to have a chance, and they just didn't. Yeah. Um, and just Emma Freeze. We just we haven't actually talked about amazing Emma Freeze. Yeah, no, she had a fantastic game. She scored the, the four, first four goals for Denmark. Uh, funny enough, it was Radicevic who was scoring all the goals for. Yeah, it was all happening uh, on one side of the court. One side of the court, a big show <laughs> showdown uh, between the two wingers. Um, she had a fantastic game, and uh, she really emerged as a star. And mm. it kind of makes a mockery of my uh, all-star team nomination, where I didn't put her as my left wing because I was impressed by Mavstar. But how can you not put her yeah. as the best left wing in the competition after a performance like that? And uh, again, the backcourt did—they didn't have as as amazing a game as they had against Norway, but they still had a very good game overall. Mia Hoyland. Six goals, and then two goals from Louisa Borgar, two goals from Christina Jorgensen, three from Meta Trambor, two from Anna Meta Hansen, and uh, also one, I think that was a penalty from Michaela Muller. But yeah, the, all of the backcourt players stepping up, taking their opportunities, and in particular Mia Holland, who, uh, who was brilliant. Christina Jorgensen, in her short time, as you said, can come in for 14, 15 minutes, make an impact. And uh, this is one scenario where having the better squad overall had a big impact. Yeah. But I really want to know the biggest stat of the day, who jumped the highest? <laughs> Do you know? No, they don't. No, you don't? Yeah. Well, I wasn't a North Macedonian player, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so before we go into anything else, or should we go into the interviews? Uh, before we go into the looking ahead to the Let's do interviews. Yeah. Okay. So before we go into predicting Sunday's medal matches, I had a chance to speak to uh, Meta Trambor and Christine Jorgensen. Let's hear from both of them. Meta Trambor, first of all, congratulations. What a tough contest today. I'm pretty sure you knew what to expect from this Montenegrin side, but talk to me about those opening minutes in particular. 
it was uh, it was crazy. Uh, the audience and everything was just uh, amazing. It was uh, a big pressure, but it was also very very uh, exciting to to play in an arena with this that many uh, spectators. So it was crazy, and it was uh, yeah. I just enjoyed it. It took a while for the team to get into the flow of things in both ends of the court, but eventually it did, and you took control of the game. Did you talk about that beforehand? You knew Montenegro would go hard. You just had to be patient. Yeah, we had to be patient, and we knew that it would be chaotic, and uh, we couldn't uh, necessarily uh, do what we wanted. And then uh, it was not everything that worked for us, but we just kept on working, and and in the end, we got the victory. Yeah, same at the start of the second half. They came out very strong against you. Did you feel there was any any nerves? Because this is kind of a new situation. Of course, you've been in semifinals in recent years, but being the favorite, I guess. Yeah, we knew that they would play tough, and uh, we talked about before the game that we had to be tough too. Uh, so we tried to uh, keep up and uh, beat them on that point. And uh, in the periods of the game, we did that, but it was still hard and it was a tough game. So uh, we knew that they would come with everything they got, and we did the same. Talk to me about the championship as a whole. You've come a long way from that opening game loss against Slovenia. It feels like eight years ago now. Uh, how does it feel for you about how this team has grown as well? Oh, it's it's, it's so nice. Uh, after the game against Slovenia, everybody was just like, oh my God, it's the worst uh, start of this tournament. But uh, then we just have been fighting and fighting and fighting in every match. And uh, and now we are in the finals and, and it's just uh, yeah, unbelievable. Has it sunk in yet? Sorry? Has it sunk in yet that no, you're in the final? No, I don't think so. I think uh, I just have to get home and then uh, find out that we're actually in the final. Do you have a preference for that final? Uh, it's two good team, Norway and France, so um, no, not actually. Okay, so, <laughs> thank you so much. Congratulations. Thank you. Christina! Hey, hey how are you? Yeah, well, now I'm really good. Now you're really good. We are live, so I just want to check okay. if they're fine to go live. Yes? Yeah. Christina Jorgensen, European finalists. Uh, you've said it already a few times in Danish. Can you put into words what you say, what you, how you're feeling, or what comes through your mind in English now? Yeah, I'm so proud of this team. I'm so proud of everyone on the team, uh, the leaders, the players, everybody. I'm uh, really happy, and uh, yeah, I'm just uh, honored to be on this kind of team. Well, you knew that Montenegro would throw everything they could at you today. They did it particularly at the start of the of each half and in the second half as well. Uh, what was your perspective on the game, also playing in defense, and which we knew was going to be tough, but also a lot of court time and attack for you? Yes, it was nice. Uh, so nice atmosphere. I would say this Montenegro and also Danish fans, they did everything they could to make this game very special for us. And I will never forget this game. I think it was amazing to play, and it was amazing to be on court and uh, play with the team in this atmosphere. So I'm really happy to experience this. It's always hard, I guess, so shortly after the game to look back on particular moments. Do you think of any particular time in the game or any action that felt like a bit of a turning point for you? Uh, yeah, I think first half, after like 20 minutes, we uh, get a little bit uh, ahead of the Montenegrin um, team. But they keep on fighting all the game and, you know, it's like this with the Montenegrin team. They never stop, they never stop fighting, they try everything and they did the whole uh, game. And, you know, you can also see that it was also tied at the end, but uh, luckily we were in front with four and it was good for us. Yeah, at what point did you start to realize, okay, we can actually start to enjoy these final minutes? 
only with one minute left, I think. So uh, it was close, but uh, we were just so happy and it's so nice that uh, Danish handball now came, come in the final in the European Championship. And in this championship for you, you played, a, I guess, a, a progressive role as the tournament went on. A lot has been written and spoken about your role in the team. You really shone against Norway a couple of days ago and it felt like you, you felt in the, in the attack as well a lot more comfortable. Is that how it goes for you as well? Yes, you feel more comfortable when you get time on the court. So I'm just happy and I'm happy to uh, to help my team in these uh, situations and whatever it takes I will do for this team. So I'm just happy to help. And it's sunk in now, finalist of the European Championship? No, I don't know if it will, but I'm ready on Sunday, I promise you. Well, are you, are you the kind of person who likes to watch the, fi the other semi-final now or do you really don't care who it's going to be? For sure, what I know it's going to be a really good handball game, and I will enjoy watching it. And I will, uh, I will hope that uh, both teams play good, and it's a good match. And I'm looking forward to see it. Christina, congratulations, and thank you. Thank you so much. All right, we're into the final games. Bronze medal match between France and Montenegro. Uh, we don't have to spend too much time on this one. How many goals are Montenegro going to win by, and why? So the, we're kind of talking about it with Edit on the show and there's, sometimes you have the feeling that Montenegro want that medal more because mm. it's more important th to them than France just adding another medal to the collection. But I think if France had lost by one goal, I would have kind of come in with that mentality. Yes, Montenegro wanted more. They're going to make it difficult. It's going to be tough. But France were embarrassed by Norway. And they're going to have to come out and prove that um, it wasn't just a, uh, them getting lucky getting to the semi-final. And they're going to dismantle Montenegro. So I think it could be something like a 10-goal win. I don't think it's going to be any different to the group game that we saw. I think it'll be very, very similar to that. I think they had, they had their number completely when I saw them in Skopje. They looked like it was just a really, really bad style matchup for them, and I don't see it being any different. Oh, there's no Especially, way you see Montenegro no. making a game of it? No. I think, I think they're too tired at this stage as well, and France do definitely have had the easier route to this point and will have, and definitely have a way better bench. I just think I can't. it's very, very difficult to see Montenegro putting in a really, really hard 60 minutes against the French team, who will now be Norway angry. Yeah. As Norway were angry coming into this game. <laughs> do, do France need to do anything to to ensure that this doesn't go awry? Like team-wise, like bring, bring in some of the second-choice players maybe to start, adapt a different approach, or you think just the pure anger of this devastating loss will drive them? I think the pure legs will drive them The in the last 20 minutes. Even if it's close, even if Montenegro are winning by a couple of goals, um, they're just... That fast break just comes to mind. They're just not going to be able to run uh, with, with uh, 20 minutes left. And uh, France can run for days. So it's, it's, it's a bad matchup in, in that way as well. So I think we're all pretty much in agreement there. Yeah, that's fair enough. The final, though, anyone going to stick their neck out here? I think it's going to be a low scoring one anyway. I don't think we're going to hit the 30 goal mark somehow. Okay. Um, I, I just I now I'm thinking now I'm thinking we're going to go to extra time so there's a couple of things here one is that Norway have to figure out how to defend against the 7 and 6 because mm -hmm. that's what worked for Denmark 
And the second thing is the, the mental battle here. You know, who has the advantage in this? So is it Denmark who have beaten Norway? Or is it Norway who uh, are looking to re- get revenge? Like who going into the game, who has the mental advantage? I, I somehow think it's Norway. I don't know why. I just feel like Denmark will be in the back of their minds thinking, was it a fluke? We don't know until you beat them twice and then it's the final. And they beat them in a game that didn't really... It was it didn't have, didn't have affected them staying in the competition or not. It's a big ask, and Norway would do this every single time. <laughs> you know they're there thereabouts every single Euro, and for Denmark is the first time in eight years that they're in a Euro final. I just can't help feel like the occasion might be a bit too much for them. There's uh, there's parallels in my mind between the Barca Kielce final in the Champions League last season, where there was all that talk of Kielce won twice in the season. Can they do it a third time? You know, Barca reigning champions, they they know how to win it. None of that really mattered in the end because it went to a penalty shootout. That's how close the teams were. None of, none of all that narrative actually meant anything in, until kind of afterwards. I think in a very similar way to the group final, Denmark have the psychological advantage, not because of what they've done to Norway, but because they go into this as the underdogs again. And I feel that they will, they'll come into it feeling the same way they felt on Wednesday, that they don't actually have to win this game. They're not expected to win. They've taken another step forward. They have a great opportunity to win, but it won't be the end of the world if they lose. It will be the end of the world if Norway lose. But as you said, Norway do it year in, year out. They know how it's done. It's in the DNA of most of the players. But there is that little... Whereas, you know, whereas when Norway have beaten France in recent years, it's been both teams like, this is it. We cannot afford to lose this game. Denmark can, and I think that'll alleviate a bit of the pressure like it did on Wednesday. So I'm sticking with that narrative. I feel like in a final like this, when you have Norway versus Denmark, and you think about stars or big performances winning you the final in some way or someone stepping up, there's a lot more characters in the Norway team that can do that in comparison to the Danish team. Where you have Toft and Reinhardt and Goal. Annemette Hansen. Annemette. Would you put Annemette in the same she, category as... I think she has stepped up. She's been the player that has stood out um, as the go-to player uh, for Denmark. I don't. It's not in the same category. Um, what came to my mind here is that I guarantee you that every Danish player who was watching that semi-final, deep down in their heart, was rooting for France. They didn't want to play Norway. You know, they, they, they could tell you, oh, it doesn't matter, they're both amazing teams, uh, blah, blah, blah. But you know that feeling when you, like, you know, you, you need to make a decision and it's up in the air and you're, you're kind of pulling for one when you flip a coin and suddenly you know which yeah, but, one you want. Yeah, but does it matter I think anymore? It does matter. But they only have what they're only going to face the one fear, team. That, that, that fear is yeah, going to come fear, down. See, you're talking about undoing what they did. Exactly. I don't think exactly. they have that. They've already done it. I don't know. No, see, no, they, no, I was right matter. last time on this. I'm <laughs> no, but it didn't matter though because it was a game that was who was going to avoid France. Whereas this really matters. Exactly. It really mattered for Denmark. It didn't. It was a nice. No, but that was the whole cap. Yes. It was a nice little feather in their cap, but this is the. I agree with you in in one way because, as we saw, Norway are mentality monsters, and Norway 
showed a completely different level. But it's a whole new game, and it'll be but a Chris, really interesting tactical battle. We're going to predict it now, and I think you're still yeah. probably going to pick Norway. We'll see. Because if you have to bet your house on it, there's so many characters in the squad. Listen, yeah, no I'm not, squad uh, not, thankfully, I'm not betting my, <laughs> my house on it. <laughs> but I think, again, in this one, they are going to need all of those three stars mm. um, and four, including the goalkeeper that they decide to go in goals. Probably Katrina Lunda after Celia Solberg's epic 14 save performance in the same final. It's going to be Lunda in goals. Whereas Denmark have had different players pop up at different times. Yeah. And if one doesn't, there's a good chance that their number five backcourt player can do it. There's a better chance of their number five backcourt player having a good game than Norway's number five backcourt player. So do you think the top end of Norway's squad is way ahead of yeah. Denmark, but the middle section of Denmark's squad is maybe a bit stronger well, than I think overall? Like. I think goalkeepers are equal. Even. Yeah. I think Denmark's line players and Denmark's wings are better. Norway's backcourt is better. Mm. So it's split down the line in that regard. Mm. Yeah, but the backcourt is pretty important. Of course, yeah, it's, for, it's, uh, it is hyper important, hyper important. But <laughs> I, I think it, it does come down to how these teams study each other and if uh, Torier Hergarsson, 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 uh, and if Torier Hergarsson can actually figure out that seven on six, and if that seven on six works as perfectly mm. as it did in that game because we talked to the players after the game and it, they were talking about how it just like it clicked everything was right there and for Norway it was just off it was you know the pass that's you know an inch away from an interception mm -hmm. but it ends up in a goal it was almost a perfect game for Denmark is it um, is, it, is it then fair to say you know a 95 percent plus performance will get could get Denmark a win and 80% performance will get Norway a win yes and they have Henny Reistad and they have Henny Reistad and they have Henny Reistad yes Jensen but they had yeah, and a lot of the Danes know very well so so yeah I know I, I know Henny Reistad well as well I'm not going to be able to stop her when <laughs> she runs across <laughs> the nine meter line and shoots That's in the true. top corner <laughs> prediction time Prediction time. Oh, it's too difficult. 26-24 in Norway. MVP, Cleopatra Dallo still. <laughs> 29-28 Denmark. You're, I'm going again. You're, you're I've, really I've gone Norway all the way, but uh, <laughs> I, yeah. Extra time. Oh, I think it's going to be after extra time. 28, 20, 29, 28, yeah. After extra time, after you're extra saying... Time. That's very low scoring for extra that's, time. That's very low scoring for it's extra It's going to be a very I'm low scoring game. <laughs> no, this is not something. 33, 33-31 after extra time. It's going to finish 28-28 and in normal time. And who's going to win? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> the score is going to be 33-31, but I don't know who's going to score them. Uh, oh, no, in, if it goes to extra time, it's uh, Norway that win. Okay. But if it doesn't go to extra time, maybe Denmark can win. Okay. Good times. Clemens, what do you think? <laughs> Clemens, what do you reckon? Handball wins, says Clarence. Ah, good. Very good political answer. Well, we're going to 
speak to players from all four teams on Saturday morning, uh, probably around the same time this podcast comes out. So maybe our opinions will change after speaking to them. Maybe we'll we'll fall for the, uh, the mental monsters that uh, Montenegro have after all. <laughs> Our mentality monsters. They're mental monsters as well. Yeah, they're absolutely <laughs> mental monsters. No way, maybe mentality monsters. <laughs> Montenegro are mental monsters. So last question for you. Going into the final, yeah. who is the MVP at the moment? That's a, that's a very good question. After tonight's performance... There's such a weight on the semi-final and final, I think. And off the lot, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Everyone who was leaving, everyone walking past me was all talking about off the lot, how great she was. Like she, I think she had the biggest impression on people who were walking out of the arena today. If she does that again and wins the final, she gets MVP. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't have her in my all-star team. <laughs> I did. But... Uh, Chances are it'll be 12 goals from Henny Reister and she'll get MVP, which will also be okay. Uh, the interesting one is if Denmark win, who gets MVP? I have no idea. I, I, it, it doesn't have to be a Danish player. Sandra Toft? It, it's felt like Sandra Toft has just been very good. Yes. Eight out of ten in this tournament. But if she has an absolute amazing final. final. Amazing final, yeah. That would do it. That would do it. Yeah. All right, I think we've covered most of the bases here. God, oh, the fifth, fifth and sixth base match, guys. The really, uh, really important one. Let's go, let's go. Sweden, what a game. Off. Can we cut Come him off? Can we cut him off? <laughs> fade out there, please, yes. Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can leave it there. Uh, Friday night from Arena Stoschitze from the studio. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you to Clements for producing. And uh, do you want to give us one more hot key before we go? What have you got for us? Beautiful, oh, beautiful. From everybody in Ljubljana, that's good night. <laughs>